beep, 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 checking in on Stay at Home Marshall week three. The mustache is back. Well, the mustache <laughs> is long. Marshall has a long mustache. Yeah, this is just uh, an opportunity for me to explore my facial hair. <laughs> what, what's possible? I'm going Tony Stark next. Welcome to episode 340. Wow. Wow. Hey, wow. We're coming up on 345. What should we do to celebrate that like miniature sort of ascending milestone? I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to think about it. All right. We'll call that a long interjection. I'm Brian Lovin. <laughs> and I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. We're going to keep this one short because uh, I'm under the impression, and I think this is true, that people don't listen to podcasts while they're in quarantine. Not a whole lot of commuting going on, not a whole lot of downtime in vehicles when people are stuck in their houses, and I think people are watching shows. That's what I'm doing. My podcast listening has gone way down, Brian. How about you? Yeah, I can confirm with data as well. We can look at weekly download numbers, and uh, it's not looking great. And I did see a tweet. There was like somebody put a tweet out with a big poll and was like, have you listened to more or less podcasts while in quarantine? And there was overwhelmingly less podcast listening. It was like 90-10 or something like that, right? Yeah, I think everyone's going through the same wave. And even myself, like I used to listen to maybe one or two a day. Like I'd listen to a daily one. I'd listen to one like, you know, in the evening or, or after work. Mm-hmm. And now I'm zero. I don't even listen to the daily anymore. It's just killing me. So yeah, uh, fewer podcasts all around. So we'll keep it short uh, for anyone who is interested and uh, surviving quarantine. We'll hopefully got some for you. But before we get into it, I want to thank Fathom for making this episode possible. Fathom is a straightforward website analytics service that is focused on privacy for you and the people who visit your websites. You can set up unlimited websites with just a super tiny, simple script. It's fast, doesn't slow down your website. Implementing it is trivial. And then for all of your websites, all of your side projects, your personal page, you can gather really straightforward, fast, clean, privacy-first data. Just information like what pages are people visiting? Where are they coming from? What kind of device are they on? But uh, they don't use cookies, so you don't have to show a GDPR notice. So it's just incredibly straightforward. I I love this product. It's so simple. Uh, You pay for it. Their business model is a paid service, which basically helps reassure that they are not going behind your back and selling uh, analytics data about your visitors. So you pay a little bit, but we're going to make it easier. Designdetails.fm slash fathom. You're going to get $20 off your first invoice. Save 20 bucks and get some privacy-first analytics set up on all of your personal sites. I have it on mine. We have it on designdetails.fm, on spec.fm, and basically every new site I'm spinning up, just instant grab Fathom code and start tracking page views. Those sweet page view counters. Mm. So uh, once again, designdetails.fm slash Fathom. Thank you, Fathom, so much for sponsoring the show. Do we have any new very important pixels this week, Brian? Oh, do we? Last week, just the one. Chris Royer, you get an extra shout out this week. (laughs) This week, um, we got some new VIPs. Thank you so much to Roberto Beitia. Hope I got that. Gavrilo Lefranc. Paul Hanaoka, Adam Brace, Terry Bernardino, Piero, and Katerina Blind. That's a cool name, Katerina Blind. That's like a um, 
like a superhero name or like that's a, like a superhero like protagonist in a spy movie kind of like action thriller yeah yeah like scarlett johansson is katarina blonde, katarina blonde. oh <laughs> yeah. fuck that's cool cool name katarina all right if you didn't know we're a listener supported podcast for just a buck a month you get access to a sponsor free rss feed as well as access to bonus land bonus, bonus land bonus land, land. Uh, we had our third bonus land episode drop last week and we talked about new morphism mm-hmm. and i think i know what we're going to talk about for the next episode we got a nice uh, listener suggestion on that one so oh wait what uh, we're going to talk about our personal devices how oh, we right. set up our phone and and stuff on our computers to make us more efficient love it but really i just want to talk about how i lay out the icons on my home screen on my phone <laughs> so if you want to hear about us talk about that and more go to there's Patri- a method to the madness it matters <laughs> yeah this is why marshall is so good because of the the home screen layout uh, anyways, go to patreon.com slash design details. Just a buck a month. We really appreciate it. So thank you so much to everyone who we just named for supporting the show this week. Yeah, thank you. You're awesome. And also, we're going to start shopping around a screenplay for Scarlett Johansson as Katarina Blind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marshall, let's dig into some follow-up. Yeah, so last week, my cool thing was The Good Place. And I'd only watched a few episodes at the time of recording since then, we are deep into season two. And remember how I said, like, I'm not sure if all these people are as great as they seem to be. And I was like, you know, kind of questioning. Yeah, it turns out I was right. Without spoiling anything too much, there is a there's a slight twist that realigns how you think of the characters and everything uh, near the end of the first season. And it gave me a, a bit of uh, redemption as far as like, it's supposed to be the good place, but these people aren't all that great. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they seem great, but they got some issues. Anyways, okay, cool. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll revisit. I, I've got my own sort of evening wind down show now that I'm working my way through. Oh, what's that? I've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh my god, that's just so good. Yeah, I'm I'm midway through season four. I've been watching like two episodes before bed, and wow. I would say I find like 50% of it very funny and 50% of it just like not funny at all. Hmm. But the 50% that is funny, I find very, very entertaining. So yeah, I'm into it. Cool. So that's it for follow up. We got a couple tweets this week. First tweet comes from Nathan Lindahl. It's actually kind of like a little mini tweet thread. But Nathan says, loved your thoughts on the adaptive cursor, particularly Brian's point that the cursors should be pixel precise because that's what we want out of a cursor, basically. Precision instrumentation. But I wonder if there's broader applications thinking about Fitz Law. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Marshall? Uh, this is exactly what I was getting at, of like the whole magnetism and snapping to the buttons and not having to worry about the tap target because as soon as you're within the bounds, the entire thing highlights. When your cursor goes away, you don't have to worry about pixel precision because the cursor indicates your tap targets. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is like perfect Fitz Law, right? Like it's hard to mess it up because... It, it takes a little bit of effort to nudge out of it, right? Yeah, I liked Nathan's last tweet here. It says, basically, it's aim assist for your UI. And I think there's potential there. Yeah, aim assist for your UI. That's yeah, yeah, cool. it's aim hacks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Cool. All right, thanks for the tweet, Nathan. Uh, we also heard from Lena Sisardic. Lena said, just listen to episode 279. Whoa. Throwback. Throwback of design details. That talks about writing down your accomplishments throughout the year, making performance reviews a little easier. That's why I built hippokite.com to automate the process. So hippokite uh, is a way to remember all of your accomplishments and challenges. You get a little short survey every Friday and you just write down all the things that you did and then you get a monthly summary as an email. So if you were interested in that, that's hippokite.com. Thanks for building that, Lena. Looks cool. Yeah, that's super cool. 
All right. So now time for some main topic, Brian. We're gonna we got a listener question this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one is pretty finite, so hopefully we can answer it relatively quickly. We're gonna keep this a pretty short show because nobody's gonna listen to it. But um, this question comes from Dennis Cortez, and he says. Hey, Brian and Marshall, long-time listener of the podcast since episode one. Holy shit. That is insane. Yeah, long-time lurker until now. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks for mm-hmm. writing in. Much appreciated, Dennis. Um, he's been a user of Figma for a few years, and he loves it so much. So he says, I run into issues on product teams where file management and versioning without having something like abstract is confusing and wanted some input. Without abstract, how can I pass off a file to a developer and be able to work on the next iteration of something in that same file? I've run into issues where I'll give a developer a link to a file, but by the time it gets on their plate, we may have worked on an iteration that is out of scope for that sprint. I've tried creating files on a per-ticket basis with Jira and having a master file that is on par with what is in production and not, but that leads to a huge amount of files over time and a lot of upkeep for the master. I've thought about other ways to do this, but haven't come up with a scalable option. Figma's built-in versioning is too limited and inconsistent for a team's need and doesn't fix the design-changing scope. Any ideas or experience here on how you manage your files in terms of versioning and iteration you can share that works for PMs, developers, designers, etc.? Wow. Okay. So. That's a lot. That's a lot. And it is a hard problem. I have encountered all of these issues and, and still encounter many of them today, so. It's a good question. Well, do you have uh, solutions for those or, or suggestions, Brian? Yeah, I, I think I'm still experimenting with this, but I can just share the latest iteration that I'm on for process here. So I think the first thing is I don't have necessarily a final handoff of a file. Like I think my engineers are always in the Figma file live. And what I try to do is just export snapshots of things and write out in text, the the diff between, you know, here's the newest version compared to the previous snapshot. So snapshots are literally just either a screenshot or I just export frames. But otherwise they have, you know, unlimited access to files. So the way I've organized files, and again, this is a new experiment, we'll see how it works, is we basically have a roadmap for a version of the app that we're going to release at GitHub. So we just released version one, we'll have 1.1 at some point, 1.2 at some point. And so I just basically duplicated that 1.0 file. So now I have within my mobile project at GitHub, we have file version 1. I have a separate file for 1.1, separate file for 1.2. If you zoom in to file version 1.1, then each page is a new feature or improvement that will ship in that version. So that way, whenever we have a sprint, like, hey, this week we're going to knock out version 1.1, it includes all these things. There's a dedicated file for that, and each page is a discrete change that will go out. And so then, basically, over time, I'm just forking the latest version and working from that next thing and kind of like resetting the pages, but it carries over all the same components and and sort of underlying masters and colors and icons and all that kind of stuff. So that's how we're doing it right now, and so far it seems more clear. Just specifically having a a discrete file per sprint seems to be helpful. But yeah, what about you? Yeah, I like what you bring up there as far as like having a different file per version. And if you have a design system that you're working with, the best way to do that is to split each version up into its own file. That way, on your newer versions, you can accept updates from master components in your design system, and they won't 
change any of your old stuff so you can go back and ignore those updates and it'll maintain the look of that given version. Right, yeah. I, I do like this idea. I don't know how useful this will be, but in the long term, I do like this idea of having captured a moment in time, like being able to reopen 1.1 you know, a couple of years in the future and being able to see exactly how it was laid out at that point in time without worrying about overrides and things having gotten deleted and all that kind of stuff. It's just... I really do believe as much as Figma is great for this auto save and like automatically creating version history, I do believe that point in time comparison and traversal is important. And so this is a plus for me on that dimension, just having a discrete point in time that I can jump back to. Yeah, and and, and there is manual versioning in Figma and, and Dennis mentioned this, but the dead simple way to do this is to just go into your versions in, in the right side panel and manually save out basically a a snapshot of what this looks like. You can name it. You can even put notes in there, I think. So if you want to manually say, okay, now is a time (laughs) that I want to capture this thing, you can do that and it'll it'll stay forever. And I think it'll even maintain your component states, if I'm not mistaken, uh, regardless of whether they've been updated in future versions. This is really great for even automatic versioning, right? Every time you make major changes and the file saves, which isn't super often, it's not every time you move something, uh, those will get marked. And I don't think you can name past automated versions, but you can still do them manually. So if you don't need to have a file for every single version, if you don't want to go that crazy with it, because it can become a little cumbersome, then yeah, just using the built-in versioning is really nice. Yeah, what are some other strategies besides multiple files? Well, one thing that I've played around with is having versions by page. Yeah. So this ignores the whole problem of component updating, so you're going to have to deal with that, but you could potentially have a different page for versions. And what I've been messing around with is the idea of having a line, right? So you you kind of have pages that are final above the line, and those are the ones that your eng colleagues look at. But below the line, you indicate like this is exploratory, like this is a playground page, this is not for being shipped, this is not final, I'm just playing around here. So that you can clearly delineate by the structure of your file using pages that like, hey, this stuff is okay. I even throw emojis into the mm-hmm. page names. Like I'll put a rocket, you know, yeah. to show like this is a thing that should be launched. And below I'll put like other emoji to indicate this is just me playing around like a magnifying glass or like a the Explorer pith helmet guy, you know what uh-huh, I mean? Uh-huh. But ultimately this depends on communicating with your engineers that like this is the system. Above the line is okay to follow below the line is not okay to follow. Yeah, there's two things there. I guess one, you reminded me that I'm in the multiple file world and I also have a separate file called just like experiments. Mm -hmm. And experiments is feel free to just play around, but like nothing in there is going to ship. And if it does ship, then we'll copy a page from that document and put it into another document, you know, version 1.3 or something. Yep. But then the second thing you said, like this comes down to communication. I feel like this sounds to me like the most promising part of having an abstract and sketch setup. But in absence of that, you just have to have a process with your team. And so communicating not only the file structure, but also just sharing openly diffs like in Slack or in a GitHub issue or Jira or wherever you're working, like periodically saying like, hey, the thing changed. Here's a list of things that changed. Like, yeah, it's a little bit more manual. Mm-hmm. You don't get necessarily automatic, like a list of all the commits to a file, mm-hmm. but certainly just having that process. Because otherwise, yeah, you're going to run into this issue where you hand something off and it 
changes and then the engineers don't know that something changed because Figma kind of wraps all that, you know, behind the scenes. So if you don't have some sort of exported frame or an issue that documents that change, then you're going to be in trouble. So I don't know, I, I could see a world where the tool takes care of that for you, but we're not there, right? I think that's a shortcoming. Mm hmm. One thing you can do too is have a kind of a readiness frame is how I've been thinking about it. So any owners of anything within that file have a line where they can have emoji next to your name where you have like a green check mark or a yellow caution sign or a red stop sign. And it's like, if I got a red stop sign, then that means I've made changes in here that need to be reviewed. Don't, it's not done yet, right? So even if you're not talking to your engineers, they can get an idea of what the state of the file is at any given point. There's also some cool work being done, what you just said about like the frame state. It reminded me of a plugin that Tom Lowry made. He is a design advocate at Figma, but he made this really cool plugin that he released on March 23rd. It's just a plugin that like applies this state as a little like nubbin above the the frame that you've selected. Yeah, I saw that. It looks really nice. But yeah, I feel like there's also something here with plugins, right? There's certainly other people that have made um, like status cards that indicate the status of the overall file from the file browser. Mm -hmm. Like it'll change the cover image, you know? So certainly if none of these solutions are perfect, it seems like it's worth playing in the plugin space to see maybe there's something specific to our team that we want to do to delineate final, has changes, work in progress, that kind of thing. Yeah, I've, I've been leveraging auto layout a ton to set up my flows. So for a given feature, I'll have a, a user goal that is trying to be achieved and a series of mocks that lay out the steps necessary to achieve that goal. And I've, I've set it up in such a way that every mock has a little tile, like a little badge that says ready for eng or work in progress or exploratory, right? That indicates that at every given step of this flow, this is, you know, either being worked on or done. And then I have a masthead on the far left that says any additional notes that are necessary along with the overall state of this. So if there's one mock that is work in progress, the whole flow gets a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Again, this is very manual, but... It's uh, so manual. This yeah. is crazy, right? Yeah. But once you get it set up, especially when leveraging auto layout, you can move around the order of mocks and hide and show them and everything collapses nicely. Yeah, it almost seems like you could have sort of like a ready for eng page where each artboard is sort of an instance of a master component. Mm -hmm. And the master component lives in the work in progress page. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe that could work. And then you're always working in work in progress, but your master component's always sort of bubbling up to the instance that's on some other page dedicated to the what the engineers were looking at. I don't know. Yeah, this is a great way to to handle decks as well, right? If you build mm -hmm. decks right. into your Figma, like that's one of the things that I love so much about Figma is the prototyping doesn't require any effort to make a deck. So as long as the artboards are in order on the canvas, you can just right and left arrow through them. And when you show mocks, you just wrap your mock into a master component and put an instance in the deck and on the slide. And anytime you make changes, it's done, right? It's so good. Yep. Yeah, no more updating slides. Indeed. It's sad if you want the finesse of a Keynote-like experience. Like I wish Keynote could sort of ingest live updates from a Figma document, but that's, that's wishful thinking. But Keynote is nicer for presentations. But if you need just the click-through static thing, then certainly Figma is perfect. Doesn't Figma have like an auto animate? It has some stuff, but I, no one would deny that Keynote has a lot more fidelity if you want For like sure. a, a really polished presentation. Yeah, so. how, am I, how am I supposed to make this number drop down with a cloud of smoke? <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> okay, what else did we miss? Uh, multiple files, pages, delineating frames with a status, emojis, external tools, written communication, verbal communication. Like, what else did we miss? Anything? I don't know. That's that's the extent of my knowledge on version eight, or at least the, those are the those are the coping mechanisms I've developed in yeah. order to deal with this issue. Yeah, and I feel like it might also just be dependent on the team. Like I look at my experience and my team is relatively small and there's <laughs> not many designers poking around my files. So this probably changes depending on the type of team. Like I imagine a design systems team probably needs a dramatically different infrastructure where you might have 10 designers looking at the same set of components in one file. Like mm-hmm. some of these patterns won't work. So I don't know, Dennis, I feel your pain. I feel like there's not a clear-cut solution, except it's worth experimenting and finding something that works for your team. I think I'm on like version three of process with my team. We've tried other things, and now this like file per version is our latest experiment. But mm-hmm. being open with engineers, they, I think they seem to appreciate that. Like they know that you're trying to make it easier for them, and that goes a long ways. Cool. Well, let's cool things it. Yeah, let's move on to some cool things. Brian, you can go first. Okay, Marshall, I have a very fond history of watching a television show with you because it started like six years ago. What, like four? No, maybe it's four years ago. Something like that. Season one of Westworld. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. What a joy. What a joy that was. The world has changed, and I'm nostalgic for the magic that was Westworld Season 1. But anyways, my cool <laughs> my cool thing this week is Westworld Season 3 has started. We're, by this time, uh, Episode 3 will be out. Episode 3 will air tonight, yeah. And it's good. It's different, but it's good. Yeah. <laughs> How are you enjoying it? No spoilers here. Uh, we've talked about this on the side, offline, and... I feel like seasons one and two were kind of a single season, right? Like season two is very much an echo of season one, whereas season three is a whole new thing. It's it's the it's the logical conclusion of the first two seasons. It's like, okay, now we're in a new kind of world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and that might turn people off because it's not the same, you know cowboy show that you've been enjoying cowboys and robots but uh Uh how do you keep it all straight brian oh boy how do you well i'll say that when i when season three was starting you and i both watched like recaps like how do catch me up on season one and two and when you watch those recaps you're like oh my god i forgot everything i don't know (laughs) what's happening yeah um but i started picking up on I don't maybe this was a cool thing way back in the day but uh recommended reminder for people there's a youtube channel by the name of Alt Shift X. Mm-hmm. We'll have a link in the show notes. But every week he's putting out a new video that's basically, you know, season three, episode two explained. And the presentation is very helpful for walking through the progression of the episode, how it relates to previous episodes. You know, he'll pull in clips from season one and season two and I'll say, oh, did you see this thing this person did? Oh, it's it's reminding us of this thing that happened way back in season one. Here's where mm-hmm. I think it's going to go. So it's very like, organized and laid out i can't believe this person makes these videos like i don't know how they keep all this in their head even visually like what is what does their file look like because because the way it's laid out is all of these 16 by 9 tiles that form this collage by the end of the episode it's pretty amazing it's cool so uh if you are watching westworld or into it and haven't been watching alt shift x i'll recommend it. i think those videos have been coming out a few days after the fact Mm -hmm. which is kind of nice you can 
think about it yourself for a little while, talk with friends, and then you get this YouTube video. It kind of coalesces your thinking just in time for the next episode. So links in the show notes. Yep. I'll have to catch up and do some homework before we watch tonight. Yeah. Episode twos was like a 15 minute video. So pretty easy to catch up on. Cool thing, Brian. Uh, My cool thing is very simple this week, but it's one that I've been using kind of a lot, which is a little menu bar app made by our friend Rafa over at the Layout Podcast. It's called Hand Mirror. Brian, have you downloaded this and used it yet? Uh-huh. It's very nice. It's great. Okay, so what is it? It's, it's like I said, it's a little menu bar app. All it does is it shows you what your camera is seeing. It's so easily accessible. It's just one click away from the menu bar. I fucking love it. It's like such a simple, obvious thing that I'm surprised it's taken this long for somebody to build it, but you know, leave it to Rafa to come up with a good idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Because well, before this, you basically, you would open FaceTime or you would open Fucking photo, photo booth. booth. Yeah. And both of those take a while to spin up and they provide all this UI that you don't need. It's slow. Mm-hmm. It's like hard to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so now here's a little menu bar and it just pops up a little video. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. If you have multiple cameras, there's one button that you can switch between your different cameras. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's great. Very simple. It's free. Download it from the App Store, I believe, or maybe it's just on his site, but it's, uh, I think, handmirror.app. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, But we'll have a link in the show notes. So that's my cool thing. So well done, Rafa. Yeah. Nice. One of my favorite humans. Mm -hmm. Right up there with you, Brian. Oh, I like Rafa too. All right. Well, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have your own sort of magic Figma process that you figured out for versioning and collaborating, let us know on Twitter. We're at designdetailsfm. If you enjoyed the show and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash design details. For just a dollar a month, you get access to a private RSS feed of sponsor-free episodes, as well as access to bonus land. Bonus, bonus land, land, bonus land, bonus land. land, bonus land. land. Okay. And of course, thank you to Fathom for making this episode possible. Fathom is a simple privacy-first website analytics tool. I use it on all of my sites. You should be using it too. Go to designdetails.fm slash fathom to learn more. And if you go to that link, it's going to save you $20 off your first invoice. So once again, designdetails.fm slash Fathom. Thanks so much, Fathom. And of course, if you want more podcasts for these isolated times, go to spec.fm. That's our podcast network for designers and developers just, just like, like you. you. Hey, just like you, just like us. Uh, and of course, if you are enjoying the show and want to recommend it, you can go to iTunes and leave us a review. Those reviews tell Apple that you're listening and that you enjoyed the show and helps Apple recommend us to more people. So that's how the show grows and we appreciate everyone who's left us iTunes reviews. Otherwise, just follow us on Twitter. Hit us up. We like talking to you on Twitter. Send us a DM or tweet at us and uh, we'll mention it in the next episode. So thanks everyone and hope you're staying safe and healthy wherever you are in the world. Bye. You'll notice that I have my own uh, Corona beard, and it yeah. is it is long and not attractive. Yeah. I, well, when you when you trim that, I hope you too will celebrate Mapocalypse with me. Oh, ooh, I like that Mapocalypse. All right. Well, we'll get there. I'm thinking I'm just going to do Corona beard till it's over. So that could be a year and a half. We'll see. Mm-hmm.
All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, we have design to talk about. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. 